the free for all roundtable round one on round one mark tui is here advisor to business and political leaders matt gurney journalist co-founder of the line which is an online magazine karima sad is a toronto lawyer and i don't want to debate the efficacy of masks necessarily but just your sort of shoulder shrugging response uh this morning to word that probably around nine o'clock the medical officer of health for the province of ontario is going to tell us we should all go back to masking karima sad it's discouraging but you know as a first trench against all of these viruses making their way around. It's not exactly onerous. No, and I'm not surprised just given what we're hearing about um, hospitals and particularly pediatric units um, being full and, and there aren't really other solutions being proposed at this time. So when we're talking about a population level intervention, masking seems, as you say, the least onerous option. I don't think anyone is excited or looking forward to it. Certainly there are people who will feel that this validates their concern that the government was going to do this all along, but it appears to be responding to a real-time issue. Uh, Mark Tui, it's discouraging to say the least, but if it's a public health measure, then I guess we can do it. But what do you say? Uh, It's more than discouraging. It's harmful. I mean, yes, there is uh, efficacy to using masks. There's less efficacy to mask mandates, which is not yet what they're talking about, but clearly where they're headed. Uh, but this has got nothing to do with COVID. This is about RSV. We, we brought this in as an extraordinary public health intervention uh, for COVID. Now it has become a go-to public policy. I would say that any public health official, any politician, any CEO of any hospital, any medical professional who stands up and calls for a mask mandate should also resign in disgrace because as Karima said this is the only option they're presented we have so many people administrating health in this country surely to goodness somebody has an idea somebody has the ability to solve a problem and none of them are doing anything well they're trying they're doing something but they're certainly not nothing is resulting like we are so badly served in this country by our health care system it's pathetic. Okay, Matt Gurney, your thoughts? I, I don't like masking. If there's a mandate, I will. Um, I, I guess I'll suck it up. Um, I'm, I'm, my gut feeling, though, is that there will be low public compliance with this. And I, I just say that because we keep getting hit over the head with polls. There's been a series of them in recent weeks saying, you know, super majorities of people support a return to masking. You maybe not a mask mandate, but they, they're at least open to the idea of masking. And then you go out in public and you look around and you see playing with your own eyes that almost no one is masking out there. So this might be an example where people will tell the pollster what they think the pollster wants to hear or what a nice person would say, but they just have no intention of actually doing it here. I don't know what will be ordered. I, I I think there is enormous political pressure on Ford not to order a return to mandates, or at least to allow um, Dr. Moore to order a return to mandates. And I don't know if he ultimately will get there. My understanding from my conversations with um, ex- experts in, in public health and, and medicine is that we will get through this. Like we're, we're currently doing an accelerated three years worth of especially children going through their, their first major exposure to these circulating viruses and that we will get through this. The question is how awful that becomes. A mask mandate, I don't know, maybe it gets us through this. I just don't think the, the broader public is interested. 
Okay. Well, and not to you know belabor the point, but I wanted to come back to Mark Tui. Is your concern that this is sort of the empowering of public schools that if they got their way, we'd never drive faster than 30 kilometers an hour and every child would be on a leash? Yeah, in part. I mean, look what's going to happen today. The uh, Ontario's uh, chief medical officer of health, who's a public health expert, not a medical expert, he is going to say, hey, we really think you should do this, so I'm asking you to do this. I'm not ordering you to do this. What's going to happen by noon today is all of the petty tyrants on the school boards across this province and in the public health boards, who are not doctors, they are politicians, are going to turn this into a local mandate, and we're going to have chaos once again reigning supreme across the province okay doug ford uh, letting slip yesterday i suppose it was quite deliberate because it happened at a gas station that as part of the fall economic update he's going to extend the gas holiday for another year um matt gurney i'll start with you uh, i know it's popular policy but is it good policy no, not really. Um, consumption taxes are always the best taxes. The, the wild card here is that Ontario can actually, in a weird way, afford this. Uh, one of the things inflation does is that it does balloon government revenues. Um, everything costs more on the back end, but at the front end, you do make more money because the uh, the number of dollars flying around goes up. So Ontario can afford to do this. So I guess in this circumstance, I, I, I will be you know slightly curmudgeon but I'll go, yeah, fine, okay. It's okay in this stance. It's not like we're borrowing money to finance a short-term uh, tax cut here. Eventually, though, the Premier is either going to need to raise the taxes again or he's going to have to make this permanent. I understand why he likes the idea of showing up at the gas station to make the announcement every 12 months, but I just don't think that lasts forever. Yeah, Karim Asad, this is, again, one of these policies that benefits everybody, which is a lovely idea, but I probably don't need inflation relief like some others do and so this is just spreading the money around at the impoverishment of the provincial treasury exactly right where you know a more targeted measure that provides relief to people who are in more serious need uh, i think would be effective and you know myself as a scooter driver i am not going to benefit from uh, the gas pump relief at all um so I, I, I agree with you that uh, targeted measures, um, if, if that's the goal, to, to relieve people's economic uncertainty, um, would be a better option. Yeah, and Mark Tui, unfortunately, there's no forensic way to prove that the oil companies have actually handed any of this back to the consumer. They may be pocketing it. They're making record profits. Actually, there is a forensic way to prove it, and Dan McTagg does it regularly. He provides an itemized and entirely transparent uh, dissection of where every penny of, of petrol dollars go, and it's quite clear that they are not pocketing this. So it is going back to the consumer. But uh, this is good public policy. Anytime we leave the money in your pocket, John, so that you can afford a Caesar salad is a good public policy. <laughs> and even scooter drivers occasionally like to eat, and food prices are are in part inflated by the cost of fuel. So I think this is a great idea. Uh, Councillor Stephen Holliday is going to join us in the next hour. He insists that to this day, uh, a whole bunch of inquiries in his office are still about the renaming of Dundas Street and everything associated with it. Um, Karima said, uh, he argues that, you know, it's just this is such an incredibly unnecessary expense. And if we start by renaming Dundas, then it's never going to end. 
I think it is true that there are a number of streets and statues and schools um, that, you know, haven't aged well uh, as far as who they are named after. Um, and, and renaming a street, on, on one level, it's a symbolic gesture and, and that has meaning, um, but it's also quite performative in that it doesn't uh, address real people's material conditions. Um, I... I'm not so on board. I, I think that maybe renaming Young and Dundas Square um, might be, uh, you know, a, a measure that's preferable to the entirety of Dundas Street. Yeah, Mark Tui, I found myself walking through Ryerson, which is now Toronto Metropolitan University, and looking at signs and thinking, what the hell is that? Um, it's, you know, when you rename, you completely upend it. This is a city of Toronto that is almost a billion dollars short of paying its last year's budget that has gone cap in hand once again uh, to other levels of government asking them to cough up money because city council is incapable of doing its job and yet they're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to rename a street first of probably many for absolutely no public benefit whatsoever as well as it's going to cost individuals everybody who lives on that street is going to need a new driver's license. Every business is going to have to make a decision about whether they rename their company. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, I want to jump to one other issue here, and Matt Gurney, I'll start with you. Toronto recognizes one of the top 25 best cities around the globe to live and work in, and it's from an organization called the Resonance Consultancy. It's a global consultancy firm. I have to say I'm, I'm getting, I love that we place well on these studies, but I'm becoming a little jaundiced about them. I find that, you know, I don't know that there's much to draw out of it. Are, are we just confirming what we already know? No, no, I mean, first of all, the moment we do rename Dundas, we're going to drop five places because of the resulting chaos that'll set Toronto back for years um, but no look I it's always nice to get a pat on the back but I have to say Canadian politicians at every level municipal provincial federal they need fewer pats on the back and more kicks in the butt like, we have major major problems in this city on the basics I understand that Toronto in the big picture sense is still doing great I agree that's why I live here that's why you know we borrowed an astonishing amount of money to buy a tiny parcel of land and then live in the city. It was worth it to us. My, my family gets something back from this. But ultimately, we have a lot of problems at the basic level in this city, where kind of the basic foundations of this town in many ways have been crumbling in recent years. And I want the politicians to feel shame and anger and frustration and a burning desire to, to fix what's broken. Every time they open a website and find out that they happen to get some of the credit for being one of the world's top 25 cities, I think it makes it harder to make the case that I would like the trash bin on my corner emptied more regularly. Okay, Mark Tui, you on the same page? Yeah, Toronto is a fantastic city to live. I've lived uh, all over the world. Toronto is a great place to live. But, as Matt pointed out, uh, I'd like our politicians to spend a little bit less time and a whole lot less money trying to make it such a much better place to live and spending a little bit more time and a little bit more money actually fixing and maintaining the stuff we've already got that's made it great. Plus, no one's ever heard of the Residence Consultancy Group, and all of these polls and listings are mostly designed to get us to talk about the consulting firm that listed them, and less about the city. Thank you all very much. Good to have you. Kareem Asad, Mark Tui, and Matt Gurney on Free For All Round 1. Catch the Roundtable, Round 1 at 7.45, Round 2 at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.